1: My name is Annie. Today I've got someone really special, a podcaster, a teacher, a journalism graduate, Connor Kelly.
2: I really wasn't doing so well. And probably the start of my second year in Vietnam, after I'd done a year here, being really lost. And I'm not talking just slightly lost on the sat-nav and needing to turn left. I'm talking the middle of the desert, absolutely nowhere, and not having any direction where or what anything is. And realizing I need to seriously wake up. Because if I don't wake up, this could turn really nasty really soon In my second year, a lot of things were just out of control where I really felt like there was nothing I could ever do to make this situation I had better. I had quite bad anxiety and depression, I wasn't eating well, I wasn't sleeping well, so I got heavily suicidal, was genuinely like cowing down for weeks and weeks. <laughs> And I I remember throughout high school thinking, if I want to achieve something, it's got to be to live abroad and live in a different environment and really test myself. And so I thought, I'm 21 now. I have no responsibilities, no pressure. This is the perfect time. And if I don't actually do it now, I could be 10 years in the future still wishing I made that move rather than just effing doing it. Don't get me wrong, when you hold the mirror to you and realize that you're playing a huge role in your own suffering, it is tough. Like, it's not easy in any way, stretch, or form, but it's essential. It really is, especially when you're on that slope. So, I see a lot of people complain and complain and go down that escapism route without realizing that you can come out of it if you make the conscious choice to. My name is Misha Smith, and I'm your guest host. My guest today is Mr. Kevin Lee
3: the original name was just cake and i tagged on the word collective because i felt like there was a huge energy of collaboration here you know people have the tendency to want to work with one another so i went like okay why don't we put the word collective in there because i don't want cake to just be about photography I think it was the energy of the people and the people i got to meet and work with for that one week i was here and i pretty much instantly fell in love with the country and the city that we all know as saigon so coming in saigon for the first time seven years ago i was like great you know my first beer was in pastor street and i had My first jasmine IPA. What the hell is going on with the jasmine IPA? What jasmine IPA? God, (laughs) what's this? Yeah, I was totally blown away. So one of the things that my friends would ask me is, how is it like living in a communist country? Is it very restrictive? Is it like you're constantly being surveilled? Like, come on. Vietnam's not like that. It's more kind of like Wild West where mm, almost anything goes. right.
4: My name is Mikachu and today I have the pleasure of being the host here. So basically what happened is that I completely blacked out. I blacked out. I felt nothing. I just... Dropped on my bed because luckily I was in my bedroom at that time. And it's like a computer shutting down, but it's your own body. So it's really, really scary. I realized that I was a people pleaser because being born Asian... In France, you have the Asian culture, the Asian traditions, the Asian parents who are saying that you need to respect and not say no and follow the rules, follow their expectations. It's the secret to feeling fulfilled in life and to have an impact is really to self-care, to know yourself and care about yourself. That's it. And there is no more. As soon as you do that, you explore yourself, you put words on your emotions, on what you want in life, in who you are, on your identity, in your personality, and you know how to care about yourself, then anything is possible. So to me, fear is paralyzing people. It holds you back from doing anything. So the best strategy... To overcome your fear is just do it. I was scared of heights, so I did the bungee jumping. It really is a constant practice and exercise of going out of your comfort zone. So facing your fears is crucial. And to face your fears, you just have to do it. No question asked. And then you see what happens.
5: I am Paul
2: Villanova. My guest today is a professional basketball player, national team captain,
6: business owner, and entrepreneur, Justin Young. Very first game that we had, the fans had no idea what was going on. Pretty much had to teach the fans how to behave in a game. So fans would be clapping for both teams anytime they scored a basket. <laughs> so that was really no full court advantage. But it was fun. Like it was a you know, new experience for me watching this new sport come into Vietnam and people not knowing about the sport and having to learn how to watch it and understand it. And me being one of the pioneers of the league is definitely another thing that I, I don't take it for granted for sure. Uh, let's go, bro. For me personally, I don't look at stats as like something that I need to be a good player. You look at guys like Draymond Green in the NBA, and I think that's a big comparison of what I am as a player. I get players involved. I play defense. I do all the little things to try to help a team win. And I think I've learned that since college. That's when I became that kind of glue guy, the defensive role mm-hmm. player that people look up to. Let's go It was a great honor just to represent the flag. When I was younger, I would never have imagined, first of all, playing professional basketball. Second, playing on a national team. I didn't think I was good enough to play on any national team. So to be considered on a national team and playing for the country where my parents came from was definitely a huge honor. People are not born playing a sport growing up out here. It's not a priority for kids. So they don't take it as seriously as I take it or any other athlete would take growing up outside of Vietnam. So it was very hard for me to try to persuade them to take it professionally when they grew up, you know, school first, school first. And these young kids growing up all they had to go to school 24-7 pretty much. And so sports was secondary and the parents don't want them to play. It's a big thing that we had to try to change for these parents. If you want a sport like basketball to continue growing in Vietnam because we need these young guys to come up the next generation to pick up where we left off when we retired. My name's Neil McKay
0: and I'm your host. My guest today is a fellow comedian. Matt Tran.
7: The reason why I decided to stay here was I did a 10-day trip here, like back in 2017. And And I thought, oh, Vietnam, I don't know, I don't hear much about it. I've traveled to Thailand, i traveled to the Philippines. And I'm like, okay, this is like another part of the Southeast Asia tour. I landed in Vietnam and it just felt different immediately. I felt this energy in the air in Saigon, right? You know. Yeah. And then, you know, anyone who's been here for a long time, they know that it's still there. And it does breed this feeling of like, I can do so much while I'm here. I would say being out here. And I think this is one of the reasons why I love coming back every time is because if you always dreamed of doing anything, I feel like Vietnam really gives you the space to do it. You know, whether it's comedy, or you want to make clothes, or you want to start a bakery, or you want to do some pop-up. There's a community out here, both local and expat, that would make it happen for you. I think the biggest thing, if you are going to come out here and pursue stuff, you want to try to lift all boats. I think for a lot of the, like the Vietnamese diaspora, we're very much aware that it's very hard for them to talk about this stuff. And this is like from second account where like my brother was talking to my uncle, for example. And as my uncle is explaining his story, he just starts crying. And this is the first time like he's ever seen my eldest uncle cry in front of anybody. It's still traumatizing. I think that kind of trauma is really hard for them to want to speak about because the Vietnamese are resilient people. At the end of the day, they go, all right, something happened but we got to move forward. We got to move on. We got to progress. It was quite strange because even though I knew I was Vietnamese, I grew up more Chinese. I was around a more Chinese community, I would say. I grew up in a big Taiwanese community where, yeah, there wasn't a lot of people speaking Vietnamese. And I actually found myself trying to fit in with the Chinese kids, the Taiwanese kids. Even though I don't know the language and I don't really know the culture that well. So I learned a lot from my friends that way. But yeah, back at home, my family were very much trying to be as American as possible. Like, my guest today is the CEO
0: at OMG Talent Group, Mike Nguyen.
8: When I was in high school, just being in the classroom and the other kids would just look and stare and felt like I was the enemy because it was taught like the U.S., you know, it was our fault and the U.S. were winners and, you know, uh, who got a lot of killed and such and such during the war. I really didn't know how I ended up in the the U.S. I never asked. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's only recently where a lot of my friends said, Mike, you know, your story, because you have something that, you know, maybe it can relate to a lot of people. (laughs) Got in the boat, my mom basically got her, you know, all her documentation was in the luggage. And, um, hey, she's carrying me as a two-year-old in her arms, and she's holding this luggage, and my brothers and sisters are going onto the boat. And a gentleman said, hey, why don't you let me hold it for you, and then when you go on, I'll give it to you. And all that, our documentation was in that luggage. It wasn't anything valuable. And he basically stole it, took off, and we, you know, went Nothing. (laughs) No, no documents and uh, just the clothes on our backs. And my view we, we had nothing. I was like five years old doing paper routes already. Uh, running through trash cans and uh, eating food from leftover, f- uh, discarding the food into the trash can and just eating that to life because um, we didn't, you know, when we were first It was very, for our family at least, we, we didn't. And we just learned to just... Not complain. Just go out and try to take care of each other. And, uh, you know.
1: The masturbation. The penetration masturbation. It was so good. Thanks God. <laughs> it was so good. And then it gives me the kind of like the the weird feeling. It, it, it's a little bit strange. And somehow in my head, it popped up the term sex coach. So, I did have to ask my dad for the tuition fee for the sex coaching program. And when I mentioned about this, he asked me one question. Why do you want to teach people about sex even though you're not married yet? And then I replied, well, because I'm not married yet, it doesn't mean that I haven't had have sex, right? <laughs> Lately, I've been participate in a lot of networking events that people usually ask, like, what do you do for a living? I'd be like, I do sex. <laughs> and people are like, What? <laughs> And it's like I'm just kidding. I'm a sex coach, and they were like, "Okay, what is a sex coach?" (laughs) Young Vietnamese people are learning very fast because of the um, internet and everything. They have the access to to the internet that they can learn a lot of things, bad and the good things as well. So that's why the sex education here is really important.
0: My guest today is Dung Nguyen.
9: In terms of public art, we need a lot of support from the government and from the organizations. Because in that way, we get the acknowledgement from the public to continue the cycle, you know. So when people see art, it's more accessible, it's more friendly. And for Vietnam, it's not there yet. We are not thinking about art yet. We are thinking about how to make space more accessible. And I think that's the first step. What I have trying to observe right now is the people around my age who are trying to understand art by going to museums more, going to exhibitions more, get themselves exposed, learn about it, talk about it and maybe try to collect them. So the fact that exhibitions are hosting everywhere and it's expanding the people who are going there, it's very interesting to see. Being an art curator requires you to know the art history, requires you to understand the philosophy around the art. So it's not a popular program for Vietnamese to tech, I see very rare cases that people can study that in a way that they can study an engineer, doctor, lawyer thing. But there are also programs, very rare, but there is. So I think just stepping stone, then we can make the ripples.
10: Yesterday,
0: he's an American. He's from Washington, D.C. who served in the Air Force for 10 years. Marquise Ryan. So-
5: hey! I, realized I was eating like 12 hours editing one video and then boom next week I gotta do it again and then I gotta film it and then I gotta run around and it was a lot of work and then the gods relinquished my duties. With COVID I was just able to say like what do I want to do and uh, yeah that was starting to learn Vietnamese and become extremely independent in Vietnam. I don't want to depend on somebody else to get me around or talk to the receptionist or do this or do that. I want to just be able to do it all by myself. And then that just morphed into, I want to become fluent. What I wish I had was just like a full, I mean, of course, I can never do this because it's a terrible thing to do and it would never fit my size. But if I had a full body Vietnamese mask, you know, it's arms, legs, face, And I can just walk to anywhere and speak Vietnamese and then, then they maybe respond to me in Vietnamese. But I just have like this big sign on my face that like, hey, it's time to speak some English. And they will never ever speak Vietnamese. It's like such a wide spectrum. The military is like so wide. So my job, I was, I didn't have to strangle anybody in the ditch. Like, you know what? I one time I strangled my own coworker, but that's all there was. I was deployed, we were deployed in Africa for six months, and oh my god, we get really angry at each other. But we're so close. You know, it's, that's another weird thing about the military is like, you hate your coworkers so much, but you know more about your coworkers than your own family and your old, old friends. But then I moved into Vietnam and I started buying comfortable things. And I realized that things, you become a slave to your things. You're not, you don't own your objects or objects own you, you know, to pay for that car. You need to work those hours to pay for that couch, that TV. You got to work, 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 work. And then to afford the things that you want to own, you need to be owned by the money system that, you know, lets you buy them. And so, I mean, when I first got here, I'm like, sure, I'm not gonna, you know, spend a lot of money on things. But I started spending tons of money on stuff recently. But I realized it's all for a distraction. Distract yourself from life, you know, to make the day go by more comfortably. And once I stopped spending all my money on, you know, things, I realized I could be happy and I don't need to work as much, so I don't need to be as productive as I used to be.